0: Welcome to Product Success Management Issues, the podcast and video series that explores in depth with experienced product managers and product marketing managers, the key issues that affect product success. Sponsored by Wiley and my company, Spice Catalyst, I am Dave Fraden, your host and the author of Foundations in the Successful Management of Products series of books and courses published by Wiley. Be sure to connect with me on LinkedIn Be sure to connect with my guest also. Hi, good to see you.
1: Hi, Hi, my name is Raja. I'm uh, part of a company named AppNomic Systems. We deal in application performance management. I have been with Apponomic doing outbound product management basically, which means that uh, I tend to talk with a lot of customers, a lot of prospects, try to see where our solution fits in, try to figure out is that what really the customers are looking for, and then tend to get a lot of inputs from the customers. Uh, note it down. Come back back to my team, and then uh, you know give it back to the team in terms of uh, new requirements or use cases. Uh, many a times I actually have to you know uh, have multiple rounds of discussions with the uh, you know, with the prospects or the customers so that uh, we get a clarity in uh, what exactly has to be built in. Uh, I joined seven years back, and uh, before that I was in a disaster recovery management company, Sanovi, which was uh, bought over by IBM last year.
0: You have a a unique situation. We call that uh, product marketing as opposed to product management or product marketing management. Uh, and historically, uh, when I was a product manager at Apple and at HP, my official title was product marketing uh, management, even though I was doing product management. In the pragmatic definition, uh, outbound is product marketing management and inbound is product management. Uh, so it's been a little bit of the confusion over titles since uh, 1938 <laughs> and exactly what we do. So that's not unusual. Uh, Why was, uh, why did your company structure it this way or or title it this way or was that your decision?
1: Okay, so, uh, you see, all the while I've been working with uh, startups and this is also one of the startups which started as a niche skill set. And initially in any startup, right, uh, we typically don't tend to get a lot of funds to invest in uh, different verticals and, you know, so in fact, uh, we also had to double up as the initial developers, uh, coming up with some prototypes, uh, and that's how the whole product management as a, as a you know you, uh, as a label or as a name got onto it. But you're right, you're absolutely right. It's more a function of a product marketing, uh, you know, than uh, the product management. Uh, eventually, we would structure, we would. We would really, when we grow big, we'll, we'll get to that stage.
0: Gotcha. Uh, so, I think you've described some of your uh, functions already. Are there any other things that you do?
1: Uh, basically, prototyping is what uh, I do, and uh, I do solutioning, because solutioning uh, typically means that I need to figure out where, how exactly the product is going to fit in. Um, in a way, it actually overlaps into sales engineering, uh, but it's too early for us to get to proper structure of our sales engineers. So, so we have to double up on those things. So, basically, come from the time, uh, from from the point the, of coming up with a new pitch, uh, sales pitch, uh, pitching it to the customers, validating our pitch, then um, you know making the customers understand. Understanding their pain points, putting a solution together, if need be, run down a pilot or a proof of concept, and then um, and then take all the inputs what they have, go back to the engineering or the you know my team who put in some kind of specs and then give it back to the engineering, um, explain to them the use cases, saying that hey, you know what, this is how customers tend to you know use your product and and this is what they're actually looking at from a pain point solving perspective, and then uh, uh, and then help the sales guys come up with some kind of a you know sales numbering. So I tend to you know put my feet in a lot of buckets, a lot of uh, boats, but eventually, yeah, this is what I do.
0: Well, it sounds like when you're going out and trying to find out what the customers' needs are, so that you could put together a prototype. Uh, or demo that matches it to their needs, that is the product management function also. That's the inbound kind of thing.
1: Absolutely. So, yeah. I, so we do that. We do that. In fact, I personally do that because uh, what we have seen is the minute I start pulling in my um, my team who actually are writing the specs and talking to the uh, engineering or a couple of engineering guys, uh, then so called schedule timelines, which we are trying to build the product, they actually hampers them. So, I take up this whole role and do this activity.
0: Gotcha. So, is your group located in engineering or in sales or marketing?
1: We overlap into everyone. I mean, of course, for sure, we are not in engineering, that's for sure. Uh, but we are actually uh, sales and marketing. And, of course, uh, you know, we call ourselves product managers.
0: Who do you report to uh, from a position standpoint?
1: From a position standpoint, uh, you know, it's pretty everywhere but I personally report on to the CEO.
0: Ah, okay. So that, that's the latest innovation over the last 10 or 20 years is to have a VP level of product management and have uh, reporting directly to the CEO which puts you at right. the same level as the VP of Engineering and the VP of Sales and the VP of Marketing and the VP of yes. HR. Yeah. And that's right. what Apple has done. That's what uh, uh, Facebook has done and one of the reasons mm-hmm. why they've been successful. So uh, I understand you have four people that report to you. Yes. And uh, uh, tell us what they do and how they're structured.
1: Okay, so... Uh... It's a, it's a pretty a flat structure. There's nothing called the reporting between them. Um, so the way it happens here is I actually come in, and then the way they actually are structured is like uh, one is, one takes care of the, the backend uh, active, uh, you know, the, the ML engine. One actually talks about the, the database and the database structures. Uh, one takes care of the UI and UX. Um, and, uh, and the other one, uh, you know, we have a... a a, tri- a tricky part of you know the usage. So what we mean by usage is the field usage. So majority of my field uh, existing customers and my field facing uh, engineers they come up with a lot of feedback onto the uh, onto the product. So that particular role talks to only the field guys, existing in in-house company field guys, and then take it uh, take all the inputs. And when I talk about imports, it's like, you know, they're documented, they understand the use cases. Sure, you're saying something.
0: Gotcha. So um, when you have a prospective engagement in order to put together uh, the prototype, the demo, whatever uh, it is, all four members of the team work on it in each of their areas of expertise.
1: Uh, Well, no. So... From a, from a demo and prototyping perspective, it's me alone who actually take care because I understand the whole solutioning okay. more than uh, more than these four. These four are basically, they talk majorly with the engineering team and then try to explain to them on what the product spec they are actually putting together. Um, and then they maintain the whole product management you uh, know uh, portfolio in terms of uh, uh, you know, the previous version. This is how that this whole feature functionality was now in in the the current release, this is how that functionality is going to change. It is based on this customer requirement, or this is is, uh, why this is a new prospect who's actually trying to look at this particular feature in a particular uh, way. So these are the people who actually directly talk to the engineering um, and explain to them. The reason we've actually built it like this is because uh, seven and a half, eight years back when I joined them, And uh, we realized that majority of our uh, engineering deadlines uh, were actually slipping. It's because uh, the engineering team came back and said, hey, uh, the specs provided by the product management were pretty vague, uh, and vague in terms of uh, uh, they, they came back and said, uh, like even the corner cases or the error conditions." Many a times we assume that because it's all startup, we assume that you know, uh, you know, this is how it is. But the engineering actually did not think it that way. It was a learning for us too, in right? you know.
0: And that's why those uh, positions were developed. Absolutely, absolutely. So, does the UX guy focus pretty much exclusively on UX, and yes. and the expertise of the other three people, the same kind of thing, translating, so to speak? The customer's requirements to uh, the engineers to help ensure they implement it that way. Gotcha, that's interesting. Um, You had mentioned, uh, well first let me ask you, uh, do you have a uh, a product management life cycle framework that you use for each of these uh, customers as a process that you repeat over and over again?
1: Yeah, so we are in the process of actually developing them. Uh, it's not yet, I I, I, I don't want to say that we don't have, but at the same time, it's not as matured as, like, matured organizations. We are still in a very early stage. Um, but uh, what we do have is, like, you know, time and again, we keep documenting what all are the learnings which we actually have. So what happens here is, We are trying to. How much ever we talk about the whole agile practice and things like that, we figure out that a lot of places we don't fall into the uh, into the the normal life cycle, which most of the product management organizations they actually follow. So you know there are a lot of deviations which which are there, which of course my team uh, works on, and I know eventually I would be actually doing a lot of uh, you know. the whole sales engineering kind of a process. And then um, we'll actually completely spin off that whole and divide this whole team. Um, so I actually sort of am trying to get in, I know somebody who can actually really bring in these kind of processes in place so that uh, the whole organization as a true product management can actually take care of that. So so that's, that's, So that's to answer your question in a, in, a, in a nutshell, we are still developing that whole thing in place.
0: Understood. Uh, so you said some, some of the product management lifecycle frameworks um, don't fit in some instances. Which, which ones are you speaking of? Can you, can you give an example or two?
1: Okay, so uh, things in terms of, uh, you know, the, uh, the data capture or the requirement capture and then coming up with the, uh, with the requirement uh, implementation. So typically what we have seen is uh, the whole process for some strange reason was not working out well. It could be because we had to, you know, as a startup, we had to actually show numbers to our investors. So we had to get, you know, there are a lot of places we have to cut short a lot of things. Like, you know, I, I go to the customer, talk to them and say that, hey, you know what, this is what we actually offer customers. Can you do something like this? Yes, it is doable. So a lot of places where we we end up reverse engineering that whole product management specification where the prototype is built first and then based on that, the requirements are actually determined.
0: That's because they have to see it and touch it first and taste it before they can figure out what they want. Yeah, Yeah, that's one of the reasons I came up with the notion of going out and understanding exactly what your customer wants to do uh, by observing what they're doing. Not asking them what they want, because you've probably heard the story, uh, and I tell it over and over again. Henry Ford allegedly went out and asked people if they wanted a car. They said no, we wanted a faster horse. But if he just went out and yeah. stood on the corner, uh, uh, he would notice that people were rushing from place to place, and horses drawing carriages of goods were galloping to get to some place on time. They just want to get from A to B faster. Uh, so. Do you incorporate some of those techniques, just go observe what the customer is doing?
1: So we do that, uh, especially that's my, one of my roles is like when we do a pilot or when we do a put up a demo thing in place, uh, rather than me talking what the sole functionality is all about, I just showcase a couple of things and then talk about a couple of use cases and then I just pause and then I keep asking. A uh, lot of questions in terms of you know how they feel that this particular functionality is going to fit in their organization.
0: Okay, that's so, close to that, yeah.
1: Yes, so typically what happens is my target audience um, are like the the DevOps guys um, and the operational uh, uh, IT ops teams. So I tend to talk a lot with, with, with these people and then try to figure out if this particular functionality, is it like redundant to what they're already doing or the tools what they already have or... Uh, know, uh, or is it like a process which they already follow? And is this kind of a feature gonna help them or uh, change the direction in completely? Like many a times, because we are doing, we are in application performance management space. Um, we have to talk to the application uh, binaries and application transactions directly. So what happens in that is the IT ops guys, they don't have visibility into, into the app layer. So they come back and say, Hey, you know what? If you're touching my app, then you are talking to a wrong person. Whereas our tool is actually built for the IT ops guys only. Gotcha. Because many many a time there's a finger pointing which happens, the app guy comes back and says, Hey, the ops guys got uh configured the way I actually talk to them. Whereas the ops guy comes back and says, your app itself is not configured properly or you have not built it properly, around you know, 90% of your processing power, which I have provisioned is still vacant, is still idle. How come your app is not functioning? So this kind of finger pointing keeps happening. So my target audience are always the IT ops guys. And and, and this is how it happens.
0: Yeah, the uh, uh, I once had a customer that told me that their lack of a process uh, following a framework Results in a culture of blame, which is exactly what you're talking about. People start pointing pointing fingers. And one of the flaws of the of the of the frameworks that you've seen is that they're not uh, they're heavyweight. They're not agile enough. And as a result of that, because you've got to produce financial results, you've got a small yes. small organization. You have to skip some of those things because you just don't have time to do that. Right. Uh, have you had a right. chance to look at the uh, framework I've put together, which is trying to resolve those kinds of issues?
1: Not yet. Trust me, uh, I'll be very really open with you.
0: <laughs> I think you're going to go look <laughs> at it now. And uh, it's up on my website, spicecatalyst.com, under uh, framework, is uh, one of the blog articles. And I appreciate you looking at it and uh, yes, uh, giving me a, some feedback as to if you agree with it or what changes you would make to it. Uh, in that blog article, I talk about the eight problems with the existing frameworks from Pragmatic, the what is it, AISPm or something like that, the uh, International Association of Product Managers, the frameworks from Pragmatic and uh, Adaptive Technology, and the Institute of Product Leadership, and so forth. And they all tend to ignore things like Agile. Uh, they're very weak on uh, gathering what we call customer requirements. I say yes. that's understanding what your customer wants to do, then interviewing them about that, then doing surveys about that, and then if you have big data available, verifying it with big data. So yes. when you choose, decide to go out and hire a product manager or a product marketing manager, uh, what kinds of things are most important for you to look for?
1: Okay, so uh, from a from a growth or from a from a scaling perspective, right? Um, the first thing which we would always love to look at is like this guy should have worked in a startup, because one thing is there is a startup culture is a lot different than uh, than a than a process oriented uh, well, process oriented is a wrong word, but uh, a, a huge organization, a bigger organization. The reason being is uh, in. In, in a smaller organization where or in a startup we tend to uh, we tend to fix a single problem okay startups typically evolve because they are trying to solve one particular niche problem and they also get a good funding for it but eventually uh, this niche single problem solving uh, solution eventually have to fit into a, a bigger umbrella Right. That's what, That's that's why these whole mergers and you know uh, consolidation of uh, of companies or uh, startups they do happen. It's because of that. So, so to give a small example, let's let's assume that you know somebody is uh, trying to do some service dependency matter. Somebody is building a service dependency matter. And that's a very niche skill in terms of IT operations. So what happens in this is uh, they will also get a good funding. They'll also get their first five to ten customers because they have a lot of good friends in the market where who are ready to give them a shot and uh, and then but that does not mean that they're they're on the way to success. Not yet, not yet. They're still not yet crossed that 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 crossing of the chasm is what I actually talked about. You uh, know, so they have not yet crossed that. So. But eventually, when they get acquired by a bigger organization or, or, a, or a bigger framework-based company, they're trying to fit in this small dependency mapper into their bigger umbrella, which they're trying to offer.
0: The, the startup now, is trying to offer that bigger map. Gotcha. Right. While they're trying to provide a point solution.
1: So the startup always works on a point solution, right. but a bigger fish, like, you know, companies like HP or IBM or or Cisco they're trying to acquire the small small startups uh, so that you know for that niche skill which they actually have built which could be plugged into their bigger umbrella or bigger platform which they' actually already have right right so so what happens in this in the in this whole uh, you know framework is somebody should have actually worked <clears throat> on in a startup so that the cultural matching actually happens. At the same time, they can actually fit this whole thing into 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 the the, the bigger in uh, you know platform. So, at every stage of a startup, you need a different skill set of people. It could be from the sales to engineering to product managers to everything. So, at every stage, you need to have different kind of people. Now, why I actually talked about that somebody should be a startup with a, should should be with a startup background is because. Eventually, when you actually cross this and you're actually going through an acquisition layer, these people who we have recruited, they should now stop looking at the 360 and they should start looking at, yeah, my vertical is only product management and product specifications. I will not even worry about the outbound. I'll only talk about only the inbound part. That
0: That's, right? as, that's as the organization grows.
1: That's as the automation grows. Right. So right. these people should be adaptable by themselves. So we need to look at people who are who are ready to adapt themselves in that way. And that is a biggest challenge which we face everywhere. Because and if you hire
0: in... if you hire an enterprise guy, yes. they they have you a have lot have more them resources around them. Too.
1: Oh yeah. 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 Absolutely. So so this is the biggest challenge which we always face.
0: How about the issue of um, uh, domain expertise.
1: Well, uh, 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 see, that always plays a role. See, of course, I will never want to take, uh, like, for example, uh, I would not take a banking guy, uh, somebody who's experienced in banking software and uh, a product manager, and then I'll, I'll try to pull him into a IT operational uh, expertise kind of a mode. I would never do that. But anyways. Understood. I mean, I presume that it's understood. So I'll always look at that. If someone
0: came along and said they would like to become a product manager, what do you suggest?
1: Hmm. Of course, I would always give them a chance. I won't say no, but even before that, the first thing I would actually try to see is how adaptable people are in terms of, it doesn't matter whether they're like product management or like Head of Engineering, or somebody should have done this work in their past. Probably, I would actually take those kind of people only. Somebody new who's actually like fresh out of the college, a kid comes out and says, "Hey, you know what? I want to actually become a product manager." Or,
0: or a sales guy, or an engineer, or a marketing person, or a biz dev person, or pre-sales right. support. What would you tell those guys?
1: So I would actually. The first thing I would to see is, do they really uh, have a inclination towards this kind of an activity or not. So there are two things. Everybody uh, have two major things with them. One is what they really want to do, and the second one is what they're good at doing.
0: So the inclination is they want to do this. Okay.
1: Right. The and, inclination is what they want to do it. And uh, what they're good in, many a times people don't want to do what they're good at. They want to do really? this.
0: They want to do yeah. something else? They want to diversify? Oh,
1: yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, like okay, that. interesting.
1: Right, and in fact, uh, uh, like for example, uh, a good pre-sales guy or a, or a sales engineer who's been doing sales engineering for like last 10-15 years, uh, he would really love to get into a new job as a product manager. Why? Because all the while he's been, you know, in his earlier company, he's been... Uh, um, you know, he's been talking to customers. He's been taking feedback on where the product does not work, and then he actually goes back and gives that those inputs to the product management team. And eventually, he figures out that those guys are actually not building it. <laughs> They're not building what he's actually talking about.
0: Then they get their fingers out and start pointing.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, and now he wants to do a difference in his life. Right. Why can't I do it? Gotcha. And you tend to find a lot of these kind of people out
0: there. Ah, so they want to get involved with the the, the solution that is satisfactory to the customer.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: they mm-hmm. believe, as is the case, that the product manager's role is to ensure that. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, I want to thank you very much for your time and uh, thanks for joining us. Oh, same here. Thank you. Thank you. On behalf of my guest and myself, thanks for joining us on Product Success Management Issues. I am Dave Freighton. Be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn.